Open our hearts, gracious one, to your truth. Open the lips of this servant that the words which flow from them would be your words for your people on this, your day. Bind to our hearts your truth and banish from this place all that is not. Grant us ears to hear and courage to respond to the promptings of your spirit. And may we leave this place transformed more into the image of the Christ we serve and in whose name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. It hasn't been mentioned yet this morning, but I want to just get it out there because I know that it's in the back of some of your minds. Today is Super Bowl Sunday, right? And I know there are plans. Many of you have plans. There'll be parties. You've already got up this morning and said your prayers for the Colts or the Saints, whichever team you're rooting for. Uh, and there are some who you're going to watch the game because you're an avid football fan, you love the game, and you're, you're going to love to see two good teams going at it on the gridiron. Some of you are going to watch not caring about either of the football teams, but you're going to watch because you can't wait for the new commercials, right? And there are some of you who are not going to watch it all because you don't care in the least bit about football or the commercials. You're just going to take a nap. Sounds good to me. Uh, There are some of my friends who are in a state of mourning somewhat today because, you know, they're looking back at the season and their team, for whatever reason, didn't make it. Particularly, there are those who are living with the regrets, you know, the if-onlys. Like, if only Brett Favre had run for a few yards instead of throwing that interception in overtime, maybe the Vikings would be in the Super Bowl today. But, you know, they have... Their what ifs, their if onlys. My team, on the other hand, the Detroit Detroit Lions. <coughs> yeah, it's like oh for the twentieth century, and uh, has never come close to a Super Bowl. You know, they're dwindling down to. I think Detroit's one of the last remaining teams that has never been to a Super Bowl, and the way they're going now, it won't be in my lifetime either. <coughs> But uh, the game, all the what-ifs, the, the missed opportunities, there are those who look back on the season and say, if only. There's a sense of that in Paul's letter to the Corinthians that we heard read just a few moments ago. These missed opportunities, not wanting to miss the moment. Here again what he says in his opening lines from this chapter 15 to the Corinthians. I remind you, brothers and sisters, of the good news that I proclaimed to you which you in turn received, in which also you stand, though which also you have, are being saved, if you hold firmly to the message that I proclaimed to you, unless you have come to believe in vain. There's a warning, a possibility that Paul presents here, that you can receive the grace of God in vain. Later on, in speaking about himself, he says, but, the grace, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me has not been in vain. Very important to Paul. Don't miss the moment. Don't miss the opportunity to do something with the grace that you have been given. This was in 1 Corinthians. Apparently, the Corinthians still didn't get it because in the second letter to the Corinthians, he says the same thing. In chapter 6, I urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Don't miss the moment. There is a sense in which 
all of our readings for this morning, the three main characters that we read about today, have something in common. And I want to just, just think about those three. First, we had Isaiah, right? Remember the prophet Isaiah? And he has seen the Lord high and exalted. He comes to an awareness of the holiness of God. And what does it reveal about himself? Woe is me, he says. I'm as good as dead. For I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the Lord. I'm undone. The revelation of the holiness of God pointed out the sinfulness of Isaiah. Go to the gospel reading today. Peter has this experience with Jesus. The miracle, the casting of the nets on the, over the side of the boat after they'd been fishing all night and caught nothing. They bring up enough fish to almost sink two boats. And what does Peter, how does Peter respond to this? Go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. In the presence of the divine, in the presence of holiness, Peter is made aware of his sinfulness and he wants to hide, much as Isaiah And then we're back to Paul. It's not mentioned specifically in the reading for today, but he alludes to the fact he's the least of the apostles. Why? Because he had persecuted the church until something happened. And you remember the experience in the book of Acts. We read about it. He's on the road to Damascus, and there's this blinding light. And in the light, he hears the voice of Jesus. An experience with God on the road, a blinding experience with God, made Paul aware, Saul at that point, aware of just how far removed from God he had been. An awareness of God cannot help but show us who we are. Now we have a responsibility to do something with that awareness. And each of the three that we've heard about this morning, Isaiah and Peter And Paul did not receive the grace, the forgiveness, in vain. They all put that grace to use. Paul became one of the great champions of the faith after having been the chief persecutor of the church. Peter became the rock upon which the church would be built. Isaiah, the great prophet, responds to the voice of the Lord saying, Who will go for us with, Here am I, send me. None of those three wanted to miss their moment. They didn't want to miss the opportunity. Don't receive the grace of God in vain. Now, every single one of us in this place has been the recipient of God's grace. We may not be conscious of it, cognizant of it in every moment of our lives, but there are times when we, when we pause to reflect and we are very much aware that we've been the recipients of God's grace. One of the most uh, uh, probably significant times that we, we do this, we reflect, is at Thanksgiving time, right? What do we do? We look back over the last year and we think about how blessed we've been. What am I thankful for? What has God done that deserves my response of thanks? We are all the recipients of God's grace. And so Paul's admonition to the church at Corinth is really his admonition to each and every one of us today. You have been the recipient of God's grace. Therefore, I urge you, 
Don't receive God's grace in vain. What are you doing with having received this grace? How is it affecting the way that you live your life? I think the greatest tragedy of all would be to live a life having received such abundant grace from God and doing nothing with it. You might be thinking, well, I'm not Isaiah and I'm not Peter and I'm not Paul. Those were very special men. Those were very blessed men. They had abilities and talents that I don't have. I can't be like Isaiah or Peter or Paul. Maybe not. But you can be more than you imagine yourself to be. I can be more than I imagine myself to be. Paul recognized that though he, he says in his own words he was the least of the apostles, he gave credit for what he did, not to himself. He didn't pat himself on the back and say, oh, what a wonderful man I am. When listing his own, the, the, what he had been able to accomplish, he gives the credit to God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me has not been in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than all of them, the other apostles, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Paul says, what I've been able to do is not because of who I am, it's because of who God is in me. And each and every one of us, having been the recipients of God's grace, have that same gift of grace given to us that was given to Paul that we can be more than we think we can be. I think it's one of the great travesties of faith in this day. For most of us, we, are so, we feel so limited. We don't see the potential that lies within us because we're looking at just ourselves and not thinking about the God who is at work in us who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we can ask or think or imagine. How would the world be different? How would your life and mine be different if I let the Spirit of God show me the future from God's view and not my own? How would my day-to-day be different If I woke in the morning asking the question, what is it that God might want to do through me today? Am I going to be available to the Spirit in the same way that that Peter and Paul and Isaiah were available to the Spirit? If so, I'm excited, God. Show me what you want to do today. And let me get to the end of the day and look back and marvel at how your hand was at work guiding me and doing through me what I thought was impossible. Most of us, we evaluate what we can do having been recipients of this grace on the basis of our own abilities and talents and we forget the abundant resource that we have in the Spirit of God who is abundantly at work in us. This may be a bit of a crude illustration. But I've been shaving now since I was about 15 years old. Right, And in the course of that, oh, 35 years or so, razors have changed. You know, I never, I didn't grow up, I wasn't, I'm not old enough to have had the single blade, you know, the straight razors. But I had the single blades, and then 
not too long after I started shaving, someone invented the double-edged razor, right? The lift and separate. No, that's something else. Um, <clears throat> the first one lifts and the second one cuts off, right? The razors. You've got the twin blades. Think, ah, twin blades. I don't ever want to go back to the single ones again. And then sometime later, they came out, Gillette came out with the Mach 3, three blades, right? Three blades in one. And though that one single razor was fine for a while, now that I've experienced three, you know, who'd ever go back to the one? And now, fusion, right? They call them fusion. Five blades, all in one razor, five blades. Never go back to the three, certainly not the two, never the one. I'll grow a beard before I do the one again, like Christian. And... uh, But there's something that I've I've sort of gotten spoiled by those five-blade razors. And when I went to the local pharmacy recently to pick up some replacement blades, some of you men know where I'm going with this, they're all locked up, right? You have to have some, it's like they're, like, like they're a, a, an, an atomic weapon or something. You know, they're kept behind lock and key. You have to have someone come and unlock it to get out the, the refills. Now, there are whole new razors that you can buy, but I don't need a razor, or a, whole bla- a whole razor. I just need the replacement blades. And I was so ticked off. <laughs> I decided, you know, there's some disposable ones here on the bottom shelf. I'm not going to ask somebody for help. I'm just going to pick up these disposal ones and I'll go home. Until I got home and opened the disposable razors and decided, uh, I think I'll get some help next time. <laughs> you get what you pay for. It was, I was all bloodied and more than, more than normal. Anyway. <laughs> but I chose something less Because it looked like what I really needed or wanted, the best, was inaccessible. Or I couldn't do it on my own. I needed some help. In our lives, there is a resource available to us that sometimes we might feel it's just a little beyond our reach or it's too hard. I can't get it on my own and so I'm going to settle for something less. Every day of our lives, we make choices on how we're going to live. What is this day going to be? How am I going to relate to my coworkers, to my family? What am I going to accomplish this day? And sometimes the choices we make are not bad choices, but they're not the best choices. And we settle for being something less than we could be if we were fully resourced. God's Spirit is that resource that enables us to do what we can't do on our own. When I choose to look at my life as I'm going to bring the gifts that I have to life and I'm going to do the best that I can and look what I'm going to do for you, God. You'll be proud of me, God. What I accomplish is never as significant as if instead of telling God what I'm going to do for God, I invite God to do what God can do through me. 
You see the difference? This world is full of need. This community is full of need. And, and as we've said from time to time, we, we get overwhelmed by the need. How can I possibly respond? I'm only one person. But I am one person, having been the recipient of God's grace, who has the grace and God's Spirit available to me on a day-in and day-out basis to go beyond my expectations, to be more than I imagine. Because it's not me that works. It's God that works in me. What would a community like this, fully empowered by the Holy Spirit, be able to accomplish in a community like Huntington Beach? How might the world be different were we to stop taking inventory of ourselves and start simply being available to the Spirit? How might your life and mine be different if I looked at every day as an opportunity to be awed by the working of the Spirit of God in my life? Don't settle when the Spirit is available. And most importantly, don't receive the grace of God in vain. It's given to you and to me for a reason. And it's not to keep it, to hoard it, and to get to the end of my life and say, oh, look at how much grace I've collected. It's given so that I might pass it on to someone else. And as I give it away, there is always more. I remind you, brothers and sisters, of the good news which you have received, in which you also stand, through which you are being saved, if you hold to the message that I proclaim to you, unless you've come to believe in vain. May we receive the grace of God today, and not in vain. Amen.